Gotta hurry. All right. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Hey. Having a good time today. It is a great time. I just want to say before I get started, I've got text messages from men and women. One right here. Say, great message. Let me see what it says. Real time. I need to hear that. I haven't been honoring with my words. I'm going to work on that. Well, that's good. That's good accountability right there. And some of you are like, what is he talking about? What are we about to hear? What's about to happen right now? Just want you to know there's some good news. There's good responses already from whatever's about to be said. We're done with our uh, series. We're not done. We finished our series, Braveheart, but we're continuing in the path of learning and growing from the content that we learned. Amen? And if you weren't here, you need to go back and start off your year right by listening to Braveheart, watching, watching the series Braveheart that we put on, a message series, and then go watch the movie as well. So it's kind of a, a good deal, you know, especially Valentine's Day, you really win some points with your husband. Sweetie Pie, I made you some steaks, and we're going to watch Braveheart tonight. That, that's that's winning, winning your man's heart right there. Oh, or do something else. But uh, we're, we're starting a series, four-part series called Reconnect. Reconnect. Um, just so many areas we just become disconnected, and so it's just really time for us to reconnect. Uh, today, because in light of Valentine's Day coming up, that's why the lights were red this, this morning. i uh, remind you guys, Valentine's Day is coming up, if you do anything about that. And my red shoes right here, too. <laughs> Uh, from my lovely bride over here. Um, Valentine's Day is coming up, so we're talking about reconnecting with your spouse's heart. Whew, just probably timely too, huh? Like, oh yeah, I've been so disconnected. We've been so disconnected. It's probably time for we to re- us to reconnect. How do we do that? All right, I'm glad you asked. Uh, there's going to be some disclaimers in here, and I will tell you in, uh, as we get there, but I just wanted you to know, reading the text, there's already good feedback coming from this message. Um, it's going to feel a little, little strong in some points, but don't let it. It's just the work of the Holy Spirit doing a good work through His Word. But research shows us why we're talking about this. Research shows us that 93% of adults now believe that having a stable marriage is very important. However, less than half of them believe that it's possible to attain. So it's not that people, adults, don't believe in marriage. They've just lost the hope for the possibility of a stable marriage. Isn't that sad? Like, I know it's important, but I don't know if it's possible. And so that's where we're going to kind of bring some, uh, sorry, bridge some gaps in talking about how to connect to your heart, your spouse's heart. And God gives a simple prescription, simple directions for these things. And so the problem isn't with marriage, but the ign- our, our, our ignorance and misunderstanding of marriage. Like what it's really about beyond the expectations you came into marriage with or the, the other expectations that you've developed as long as, for as long as you've been married. What is marriage? What, how do we navigate? How do we live out marriage, this covenant relationship? So the problem isn't with marriage. It's how we live it out. So today we're going to discuss this. And as I've told so many people that I used to do marriage counseling for, past tense, because I'm probably not the best counselor when it comes to marriage, like you come in with your problems? Well, here's what the word says. Do this, this, and this. You don't want to do it? I can't help you. No. <laughs> so we have George and Nicole over here that are, that are so kind to do marriage counseling. We have Christian and Lauren that are doing such a great job with their marriage tribe. And so you should go see one of them. And we have counseling on our website. But if you want direct and straight to the point... 
come talk to me for five minutes. I got five minutes and we can, just, we can hammer it out. You'll be good to go. But God's perfect plan for marriage truly is found in the Bible. And if we will work his plan, his plan truly will work for us. There's just something supernatural that takes place when we apply God's word, especially in the, especially in the area of marriage, that it just makes us stronger individually and, of course, as a couple. Like, there's no greater thing whenever, than when my wife and I are clicking. Like, we're, we're in sync. I feel like I can take on, take on the world. I feel like I'm William Wallace from Braveheart. I feel like there's nothing that can stop me. I feel like we are moving like a bulldozer towards anything in life. And whatever gets in our way, it will be plowed because we're in unity. The complete opposite <laughs> takes place whenever we're out of unity and we're struggling and there's something in, in between us that's, that's causing some strife or tension. And it just feels like, man, I can't get any traction in life. I can't get anything done. And then the ego starts to pull out and pop out. And then I'm just going to plow through this thing and I'm just going get, to get it done. And it doesn't matter who gets in my way. And the, best, the worst version starts to come out whenever we're out of sync. And then it causes chaos. And, there, and both, both parties have a, a variety of that and a version of what that looks like. But God's perfect plan is in the Bible. And God didn't create anything to fail. That's good news. So if he didn't create anything to fail, then I can depend on it. And he created marriage. And he designed it. He's given us direction. And marriage was not designed to hurt us. And if you've ever been married for any time, you'll know it's designed to strengthen us. In, in every act of dying to self, we've become actually stronger. The very things we're really willing to let go of in our person, in our, rela- in, our, in our own mentality of what a relationship should even be, it's usually abstract to God's word. The moment we die to that, we begin to get strengthened by faith in, in the Lord. And whatever it is that he's asking, requiring, because if you don't know, there's a lot of light rights you, ra- you, ra- you laid down at salvation and you, became re- you got a lot of responsibilities. But these are life-giving responsibilities. And what we re- fail to realize sometimes when we hold on to rights, it usually ends in our own death. And that's not a healthy thing. But let me give you one of the most despised passages of scripture for the individual spouse on marriage. Christians actually hate this passage because... They don't like to be held accountable to what speaks to them as the wife or as the husband. And they rather focus on what it's for the other spouse. Here's what it says about you. So I'm going to give you the, the, a message disclaimer. Each spouse or each man and woman or woman are to see their own specific roles as we talk through Ephesians 5. Good? So because you're here, the agreement is this. You're going to hear things that tempt you to be focused on the other person's shortcomings. You're going to choose to deny those thoughts and focus solely on what the Lord says about you. Agreed? All right. Good deal. We can actually grow today. Ephesians 5, 21. And we're going to start with an incomplete sentence. But it says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. We'll come back to that. But it says, in the fear of God. Because as I submit to my wife, until my wife submits to me. As we submit to one another, it is a reverence towards the Lord. Remember, we talked in December, we talked about the seven spirits of God. One being, which are all attributes of the Holy Spirit. One attribute is reverence of God. One of the spirits, seven spirits of God is this. So here's what it's saying. How we submit one to, one to another, how we submit one to another, reveals our, our relationship and intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Because when we start to get focused on one another and we lose focus on God, it's hard for us to really walk out a godly relationship because we're, we become so transfixed, so focused on what the other person is doing or not doing, and we begin to take a tally. 
But when we love each other through God, there's some supernatural things that begin to take place. And there's some things that we're able to endure more. And yet it's easier to sacrifice and lay down our lives for the sake of the other. So moving on. It says first, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Verse 23, oh, that was, I guess it was mixed in there. Therefore, verse 24, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be subject be to their own husbands in everything. Moving on. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his flesh, his, his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother. A woman shall leave her father and mother and be joined to his wife or be joined to her husband. Emphasis on leaving your father and mother. And be joined to your spouse. And the two shall become one flesh. All right, there's a lot of giggling because there's some things that are... This is a great mystery, and everybody said amen. But I speak concerning Christ and the church, verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Oh man, this is great content. And the reality is none of us have a problem with any of this when it comes to focusing on the other person and what the other person should be doing. But we're here today and we're saying, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today through this message? And men, men typically know this one verse in Scripture when it comes to marriage. They've heard uh, a pastor speak through it. They, they, they opened their eyes. Or they, they were asleep all service. But then they heard wives submit to your husbands. And they woke up and then they grabbed that. And they've been living out this thought of, woman, you just need to submit to me and go get me a sandwich. <laughs> and for some reason, marriage is not working out. <laughs> so they come see me and I give them the, direct, the exact uh, the prescription. And then they don't like that. So I send them over to George and on to Christians. So it's a really good cycle. And uh, we have—it's a really good cycle that we're in. But wives well, submit your own, your own, your own husbands. A woman absolutely, women absolutely love when the Bible talks about a man being sacrificial, laying his life down, like nourishing, cherishing her. Like this is heaven for her. Like, oh yeah, that's a man right there. Well, I can have some of that. That. That's the heart of a woman because that's the heart that God has given a woman. And just like, just like having honor is a heart of a man because that's how God has designed us. We can't, neither one of us can be outside of our order. And when it is, it's disorder, meaning it's chaos. So if we can think from that realm of how does God put the order of marriage for man, the order of marriage for a woman, and now let's live this thing out. So, so men, she is supposed to honor you as she does the Lord. And who doesn't like that? Oh, man, yeah. Give me some of that. And so we, we, we love what it says about the other spouse. We just don't like what it says about us. 
And the reason that it isn't trusted is because each spouse is waiting for the other person to do it first. No, you go first. You go first. You go, I'll do it if you do it. Well, you ain't doing it, so I'm not going to do it. And so wives will, will say, like, well, I'll, I'll submit to him and honor him like the Lord if he'd, do, if he'd act anything like Jesus. <laughs> and instead, he acts like the devil, and I don't want to encourage his behavior. And I have been sent by, on mission by God as his agent to humble this man. <laughs> and if I do nothing else on earth, I will make sure, by God, this man will be humble by the time I'm done with him. <laughs> so, and then men are like, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't mind laying my life down for her, but if she wouldn't just try to dominate me. If she just try to run over me whenever I do lay down. I am not a bridge. And so... The, there is this issue of tension between these two thoughts that whether you admit it or not in subconscious, whenever you start to get a little bit disrespected or hurt, this, this, this uh, subterranean, this sublevel thought process starts to take over and neither one of us can help it in and of ourselves, in and of ourselves. And so marriages struggle when the two individuals refuse to value one another God's way or show appreciation at least to one of the spouses who's at, who's at least trying to make an effort. There, there, there are times when one spouse is actually trying to make that effort, like they're really trying to go after this thing, but the other spouse may be a little bit too Bible ignorant to understand and see, wow, they're actually making an effort towards that, towards Ephesians 5. And so it's our responsibility as Christians to learn what does it mean for me to be a, a loving husband? What does it mean for me to be a loving wife according to God's word? What challenges me? What's in the way? What do I need to change? So it's our personal responsibility to seek out these truths, not for our spouse to teach us, because nobody likes that. And it's really not even the responsibility for any other individual to teach you. It's your responsibility to go after and pursue and seek what does the Lord say to me about being a husband? But I know uh, nothing else works in any other way. Not only does it not work, not only does this work, but it's brilliant, and it comes from the most brilliant being ever to exist. So he created you. It, he created this. He created this to serve you well. And, and, and I know this works because early in our marriage, uh, mine and Allie's, uh, we were at the place where only the, the only next step that was in, our mind, in my mind was divorce. Like, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. We'll go back and you, we'll, 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 we'll agree. Oh, man, she was demonized, and I was an arrogant fool. I mean, that's just... And for some reason, it wasn't working out. <laughs> like, we were just, mm, we were not sinking at all. We were both fighting for dominance. We were both fighting to see who's the strong one. We were both fighting to see who's going to win this battle, who's going to lead this family. And we were both wrong, right? And so let's see, let's discuss this brilliance, though, Ephesians 5. And we started in the middle of the sentence for a reason. We're going to come back to this. Uh, Ephesians 5.21, submitting to one another in the fear of God, submitting one to another, like I'm yielding one. There's a certain a level of respect for you as an individual and a respect for me as an individual, but in the fear of God. Do you know why it says that? Because Satan operates in fear. I'm oh, sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, found the fear of God because I'm honoring God. I'm honoring God. I'm giving you another point later. I'm honoring God by, by submitting to my spouse. Like, it becomes less focused about what she is doing or what she should be doing, what he is doing, what he should be doing, because I just have a reverence, a connection with God that keeps me in check and it keeps me accountable. 
These are the things that help you in the difficult times, the trying times, to not be offended or affected by the things that you are not getting or you are receiving that are not according to Ephesians 5. So I'm going to stand firm in the Lord. And I'm, there's some things I'm going to die to. There's some things that are going, to, are going to come up. And I'm going to choose not to let them lead my decisions. But because husbands and wives are equal. We're equal. Now man is called to be the head of the house. But it doesn't mean that the woman has any less value. And so we're equal when it comes to the eyes of God. So we're submitting one to the, to the another. Uh, men are not the leaders in the house. You don't get that role just so you can have the big chair with the remote. That's not, that's not, that's not your champion chair. I'm sorry, George. And men are the head of their homes because they are to live, they lay their life down for their wife. And the wife is to recognize the sacrifices made by her, her husband and honor him for that. In stress, in our weakness, we begin to focus more on what the other spouse is not doing, and we complain about what is not doing both ways, and we forget to value and add value to the very things that our husband, our wife, actually are doing. If we'll start on the side of, hey, let me just speak life, then it probably will project more of the life-giving response rather than I won't have to, I won't have to shame, I won't have to nag, we won't have to begin to fight about what the other one's not doing. So let me tell you this. Uh, how to attract and open the heart of your spouse. Intimacy is not going to happen if you're not going to be willing to open your heart to your spouse. And if your spouse is not going to be willing to open their heart to you, there won't be intimacy. You'll have a marriage. You'll have a connection. There'll be a relationship. But it won't be a deep, intimate connection. It won't, it won't be what God designed it to be. It won't be the, the healthiest relationship you can have. It won't be an example of Christ in the church. Because an example of Christ in the church is intimacy because he wants to be intimate, intimate with us and he wants our marriages to be deep, intimate, soul, soul, healthy soul ties where we can connect with each other on a deep level. And it's almost to the point where we truly are not ourselves in the sense of I'm not one whenever we are not in sync because we become one. It's his design. Not in an unhealthy, again, not in a codependent way, not in a... I, I'm, I'm a hot mess, and, and if without you, I, I would never be able to live. Now, there's, a, there's a different toxic place, the direction that that takes. But I need you, and I know that. Before, I'm going to give you this. The most intimate action a wife can have towards her husband is honor. The most intimate action that a wife can have towards her husband is honor. And these are the men's four greatest needs right here is honor. Obvious, friendship, <laughs> friendship, meaning like I just want you to get out of my shop with me and build some stuff. Will you, will you hand me the screwdriver? Will you, will you come and just hang out? I need you to hand, hold the other side of the table, this board on the table saw. Like, I just want to hang out a little bit. Can we go fishing? Uh, can, we, can we go shoot some guns together? Not all the time, but on occasion, I need you to come out to the shop. I want to do something. I want you to do something I, I like to do. Domestic support. Meaning, oh man, it just makes, it's like I feel like I can come home from battle and there's, there's a meal cooked. I can come home and there's the porridge. I can come home and boy, she's, been, she's done the laundry. Thank God. Now let me just say this. Women are not the only people that in, the, in the house that need to be cooking or need to be cleaning or need to be doing the laundry. Yeah, amen to that. <laughs> she, actually said, she actually said after the first service, how about next time I do the women's side and you do the men's side? <laughs> It's a work in progress. 
But wives, you will struggle to get your husbands uh, to deliver actions of intimacy for as long as he doesn't feel honored. His mega need is honor. The greatest need that supersedes every other issue, every other action, every other uh, affection is honor. I just need you to honor me. It's the same with little boys. You'll never, if you have little sons, I have a son, and I'm, I'm so, because I know how this works, I'm so protective of his little uh, ego, how, of his confidence, and I think he's one of the most confident little boys that walks around here, because I know how it can be. So it's how you talk to them, how you relate to them, and it's no different because little boys are just little men. And, and, and uh, any of us that are, that are safe and freedom free enough to say yeah whenever it starts to get the tones are wrong or the looks are wrong or the words are wrong i just shut down fortified mm -mm. locked doors on everything and i don't even know it like it wasn't something i thought i'm going to just shut down no it is a psychological reaction but be how god has made us where we just begin to shut down and protect ourselves it becomes self-protection and self-preservation from whatever is out there that's about to harm us and usually it's the person that's closest to us and that done time after time after time creates an, an adverse, an unhealthy, in this case, a husband. So two things. I become very dominant or I become very passive. But I'm afraid to be vulnerable. And so I'm going to have a self, some kind of self-preservation so that I can make it through this thing until one day I hope I get to heaven. This is the, this is the psychological, natural response. When God is not leading the household, not leading the family, he's not leading the marriage. It's his mega need honor and the least amount of wrong tone or look and action of disrespect messes us up more than we can explain because we can't even understand it ourselves we just know we're not how we were before it happened and all Allie and I have a wonderful marriage in my eyes I mean I, I think I think it's great uh, I'll tell I tell the guys I mean I, you ask me I think it's like an eight on a ten she may say it's a five on a ten but like in my mind like man we're killing it couldn't get any better I don't know, but it just can't. Uh, but, but it's not, I, and, and there's times, though, whenever we're not killing it. And I'll tell Allie, I said, look, it's not what you say, it's how you say it, right? And every man said yes, <laughs> every, every brave man <laughs> And we literally have this default shutdown, and I, we just can't help it. And we're trying to talk our way through to get you to understand, listen, I don't feel safe in here. And it's not what you said, it's how you say it. Can I come back out now? And that's, that's truly, that truly is our response in a, in, a, in a very humorous way. But God gives the women the antidote and the, and the prescription and the recipe. You can build the perfect man today. You can go home if you add these ingredients. It's going to be right here. First Peter 3, 3 and 6 says, Do not let your adornment be merely outward. Arranging the hair, wearing gold and, or putting on fine apparel. I mean, these things are great. But... Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Like, he's not saying you just need to be quiet and sit in the corner. That is not what he is saying here. What he's saying is an honoring spirit. And the way you, you're so strong and you're so beautiful and you have so much going for you, you, have, you are able to operate in that strength by having an honoring spirit. You're the most powerful individual in the world when you carry yourself with an honoring spirit, with honoring tones and honoring words. You change the dynamics of life in your family when you have an honoring spirit. This is what he's saying. This is the prescription to have the best man 
Notice that it doesn't say anything else but an honoring spirit, which is the very precious, even God loves it. Like he looks down, he's like, oof, that's my daughter right there. She, has a, she knows how to make a man. She, but rather, and so he says this, for in, in this manner, verse 5, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands. There are several times where you see this in Ephesians 5. Their own husbands, their own husbands, their own husbands. But you also see in Ephesians 5, to their own wives, talking to husbands about their own wives. Because there's something about, oh, we can be really nice and sweet to somebody else's husband. And then we go and disrespect our own husband. Or we can be all nice and sweet to somebody else's wife, but then we create insecurity in our own wives. So when he emphasizes these things, he's saying, make sure you don't just do it with somebody else's, that it's your own as well. Good? All right. As for Sarah, Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And I'm telling you, I've been working on this one for a long time. <laughs> little L. Just call, you, you don't even have to say Lord. Just call me Little L and I'll know. Joke. It's a joke, but it's a, it's a real joke. Uh, when we're really in sync, little L, oh, yes, yes, babe, what do you want? <laughs> Whose daughters you are, if you do, do good and are not afraid with any tear. Here's where I meant to say earlier. The reason is because Satan operates in fear. He loves fear-driven decisions. He loves fear-driven actions. He loves fear-driven behaviors. He loves fear-driven relationships. Because what happens is, because he is driving us with fear, we're afraid that if we don't act up, act out, and we don't express ourselves in a strong way, then we'll get run over. We won't be safe. And so out of fear, because of the, the counsel of the accuser of the brethren, because of this, we struggle to walk our part. We struggle to surrender and yield to God. Remember, this is showing submission and favor and glory to God. We fail to do it out of fear. Fear, if I'm quiet and I'm gentle and I'm honoring, he's going to run over me. He's going to start to dominate me. He's not going to take care of my needs. He's not going to make me feel secure. Fear. And when the Bible uh, uses submissive, it reflects the fullness of the word, both in, uh, in 1 Peter, but also in Ephesians 5, bringing it together. Men and women are equal. Husband is the head, but again, it doesn't make uh, her, the woman, unequal. And we both have very important and necessary roles to pay, play in the family. And we're both living out our role well. We have the healthiest family dynamic, and we have a next generation that's raised, rising up underneath us that the world cannot stop. When both individuals are operating in our attributes, our strengths, according to God's word. And in our home, uh, major decisions, our major decisions, we're made in agreement. We're, we're, we're talking about them. We're talking about the issues. Here's what it's going to deal with. Here's what we're going to face. Uh, I don't know. have everything figured out. There's going to be some, there's gonna, we're going to need to budget a little better. We're going to need to make some sacrifices. And when we do that, nothing can stop us. Yes, there's hardship. Yes, there's trying times. And yes, we have to come back and regroup. And yes, we have to have some emotional conversations. And yes, it may even get a little heated at times. But nothing's going to keep us from moving to what we settled in doing. Here's what happens as well. God favors that. He favors unity. He command, unity commands blessings. And when he sees husband and wife trying to function in unity, he, he, he makes ways where otherwise if foreseen, like, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't even know if it can work out. But we come, came together in prayer and we united and we're going to get, see this thing 
through together. But there's also times, there's also times where we get out of step. And Allie or myself will make a decision, a big decision, and we didn't talk about that. And I don't think you thought that thing through. And I don't think you know how that affects the bigger picture. And all of a sudden, we're out of sync. And we stay out of sync until one of us are really, hey, we're going to have to pull back on this thing. We've got to come back. We've got to regroup. We've got to reassess these decisions that were made. And I'm telling you, please don't think that every, every issue like that is the, is the worst. That your, your spouse or your husband or your wife is the worst person in the world. Sometimes those very conflicts produce good fruit later because it gives you a framework to realize, man, we were not making good decisions like decisions like this on the same page. We weren't addressing things. Even yesterday, there was a conversation, and Allie even spoke about it from the platform four months ago or so, and she was, she was saying how the Lord had corrected her in this, and it caused some problems. Let me tell you, we had some problems uh, in the background. And so yeah, even yesterday, we were talking about that scenario, and what it did was it brought about a, hey, well, next time, why don't you talk to me about this? And how about if you'll just tell me this, whenever I do that, then that'll help me. And I'm like, okay. We broke some ground relationally, conversationally, and intimacy of trust as well of when this happens, would you do this? And when, if I do that, would you do this? And then that way we can move forward better on the same. Anybody ever ran into a problem and you realized it actually produced some good fruit? You don't want to go back to that problem, right? Like, I don't want to do that again, but we sure did figure some stuff out. And so that, uh, just fo focus on the positive side of that. But I'm not Ellie's boss, and she's not mine. When we fail to forget that God is in charge of our marriage, things just go awry. When one of us is trying to lead and dominate, one of us is trying to be the decision maker, and it looks nothing like what God would, would say in his word, we're in trouble. And we well know that. And when the Bible talks about a gentle and a quiet spirit, here's what it's saying. Ladies, you're beautiful. You just can't help it. You are. God created you to be beautiful. You should love that. But the Bible explains, don't just be beautiful on the outside. Be beautiful also on the inside. And let me just say this. As society in general, men and women, whenever there is inwardly depravity, when we, the more we become inwardly depraved, the uh, people become more externally focused. So the, more, the less I have going on inwardly in my growth and my health with the Lord, the more I start to focus on how good I look on the outside. And the more I get offended if you don't tell me how good I look on the outside because I'm dry as a desert on the inside. And the Lord is saying, I just wish you would strengthen yourself in me and your inner person and let me be the one who gives you favor. Let me be the one who brings you recognition. Let me bring, be the one who brings you affirmation. Let me be the one that brings you confirmation. Let me be the one that starts to bring you into a spotlight. Let me be the one who causes you to be seen because of the beautiful spirit that you're carrying. This is our faith wall. This is our faith wall. God has just made women to be very beautiful. But don't simply rely on your outward beauty. Also, begin to build what's on the inside because it's that gentle, quiet, that loving, honoring spirit, that beautiful spirit that actually attracts a man. While the physical may begin it, the only thing that sustains it is the beauty of the inward person. And only a man could probably understand that, but I, I can tell you, when, a, when a, your wife 
When, wives, when you become so attractional on the inside because of your relationship with the Lord and how you're beginning to honor God, if you honor God, you're going to begin to honor others. And men, we just drift towards honor. Like it's like a, we're flying around. Like, I don't know. I just smell honor over here. I'm just going to go over there. And we, we <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm serious. But it's the spirit of a woman that makes her attractive. It's the spirit of a woman that makes her attractive to her man and lets him know if, if, if he can open up his heart to hear her. You don't feel like you've been heard? Let me just tell you, it, the, the, the issue may be he's feeling dishonored about something. It could have been in the past. It could have been that day. But if you're not feeling hurt, it may be, let me go back. Let me honor him. Let me show some respect. Let me bestow a little bit of this so that I can be heard. And these are just, this is just how God has made us. This is just God's word. In first, uh, Ephesians 5 is saying, respect your husbands. The first Peter 3 is, tells us that though, uh, through the power of respect, you can change your husband without a word as he observes your chaste and respectful behavior. Some, in other verses, it, versions, I'm sorry, verses it says, uh, you can lead your husband to get saved just by how you treat him. Woo, yeah, you can lead your husband to get saved, eternal salvation, just by how you treat him, how you live your life. That's the word of God. And it's powerful and very strategic, by the way. God's not putting you down. He's actually giving you the key to your husband's heart. And we'll, you'll never relate to any male without honor. And boys are just little men as well. Let me tell you. The, the issue of most marriages comes to this cause and effect issue. It, it's, it's, what came first, the chicken or the egg? I don't know. Who's going to do it first, the, the husband or the wife? It's always that issue of who's going to go first, like kids in the playground. Uh, because it's so intense, though, let me just move on. Uh, the number one need for women is security. Security. Women's great, four greatest needs are security. Number one, this is her mega need. Like, she needs, to, she needs to feel really safe. Like, you're a safe place. You're going to protect her. You're going to cover for her. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna do what it takes. You're going to lay down your life for her needs. She's secure. Next, it's communication. She just, wants, she just wants to talk. And you're coming in. How's your day? Good. What'd you think? Good. 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 Like, that makes her feel insecure because she thinks, in her mind, the way she's built, oh, he's hiding something. <laughs> Who is she? <laughs> Next thing you know, she's checking your phone, checking all your, your Instagram messages. All your uh, messenger messages, all your messages. She's somewhere. I'm going to find him. I'm going to find it. <laughs> Communication. And then over here, affection. I had to put this because when we think affection, man, you're just thinking bar like Marvin Gaye starts popping in your back of your mind. <laughs> Barry White. Like she goes over and holds your hand and all of a sudden, you hear it. Yeah, you hear it. I see the mirror ball right now. <laughs> And some of you are like, yeah, my wife doesn't, doesn't hold my hand. That's because you tried too many things that whenever she did try to hold your hand, she's like, mm -mm, mm -mm. <laughs> And then when she feels really secure and she trusts that you're, you're, you're growing in your leadership, in your relationship with God, she knows that she wants to hand over the reins. She doesn't want to be the one that leads the family. She knows in, innately. She knows. But she needs to know that you're going you're gonna to lead her God's way and it's going to make her feel really safe and you're going to communicate through doing that and it will lead to uh, beyond, <laughs> beyond hand-holding. Amen. <laughs> but, 
But if you don't know this, you need to know the Bible says actually twice as much about a man, a, a husband role, than, she, than God does about a wife's role. And so we've got, we got, we just can't, we just struggle to get it, you know? So we got to step up and start learning a little bit. He's like, all throughout my word, I've been trying to tell you. And men, you're supposed to be, we're supposed to be Christ-like husbands who lay our life down for her. She feels her best, with most love, most attracted to us whenever we're laying life down sacrificially. We're honor-oriented and they're security-oriented. But this doesn't mean that we both don't need respect. Doesn't mean that she doesn't need respect. She, the respect that they receive is by feeling safe and secure in your, in your presence. There's, there's just a, there's a love, that over, affection that overcomes them, and there's a peace, there's an openness and vulnerability. And l- let me just say, let me just say, if you want to open the heart of your wife, and you really want this to lead beyond um, <laughs> hand-holding, then you'll, you'll, learn, you'll learn how to make her feel really safe and really secure, and she will hold nothing back. So that makes, uh, uh, what makes a woman feel secure is a selfless, sacrificial man. They don't want a husband who's not tuned in with them, who's distracted, uh, who's, who's always focused on other, in other places, on other things, and, and hiding oftentimes from the relationship by being intentionally distracted. They're not wanting that. They want a man who's, who's uh, connected, who's in tune, who understands their needs and yet is working towards them, even though it may take some time to work out those needs. At least working towards those. But I noticed, noticed I, I didn't say all of her wants. She really doesn't want that. She, she may stay, start saying she wants a lot of things, and she wants some of those. But she also wants you to lead well. She wants you to lead well. And what makes men attractive to women uh, is the sacrificial nature. Like, what makes us so attractive to them is the fact that we, we are willing to be sac- Sacrificial. Uh, beyond the body, the, the, the specific love language that each one of us have, and you need to know your wife, your spouse's love language, both of you, and you need to know, learn how to navigate through your own in order to get to hers. Uh, my wife's is words of affirmation. Mine is acts of service. And so I'm like, well, I'll affirm you if you do something. But mine's based on acts of service. But I've learned and I'm learning to affirm her in the things that are important to her. And boy, when I do, the vulnerability, the openness, the clarity. And so we need to learn what it is that their specific needs are, their specific desires. But we also need to know this. There there was actually a a poll taken. And when that poll, well, several polls were taken. And at the top of these polls, when when women were asked what it is that makes them most attractive to their husbands, the response over, over and above was when he does housework, whether it's inside or outside. There's something about that where it just feels, and yeah, and the lady said in the beginning, amen. She just feels there's something that overcomes her. Here's what they did. They did a physiological test. The University of Pennsylvania did a physiological test. Hooked her up, hooked them, women up, several women up to a bunch of monitors. And they began to, they, they actually took sweat, perspiration from men, and they put it on their upper lip of the woman. They told her, this is there's some household cleaners. We're just testing them to see how your response is. And as they did this, yeah, it sounds disgusting. And here, here, here's, here's, the, here's the bad part. We lost several researchers. They gave their life as a sacrifice so that we men could understand women better. And so we glorify God for that and we grieve their lives. <laughs> but here's what they found. That women relaxed. They got happy. And they became romantic. And so this translates as, men, you're just one clean house and one beautiful yard away from the most romantic night of your life. 
Sacrifice is the cost of marriage, and intimacy is the prize of marriage. <laughs> Sacrifice is the cost. Yeah, you're going to have to die to yourself. But intimacy, oh, but you gain so much more. You gain so much more. If we're going to reconnect through intimacy and marriage, we have to understand a man trusts an honoring woman, and a woman trusts a sacrificial man. And the roles of Ephesians 5 make us this. Number one is attractive to the opposite sex. And unless we're very superficial people, unless it's all about physical or all about financial, which these things pass in time, if it's, very, if it's superficial, well, then these things don't matter to you. But a lasting marriage is based on honor and sacrifice. Number two is sensitive, makes us sensitive to our spouse's needs. And before you became an understanding of Ephesians 5, you were, you were not sensitive to your spouse's needs. You were sensitive to your own and probably a little guarded and offended whenever they weren't met. But God desires us to be attentive and aware of what it is that our spouse needs. And usually the man is dominating the wife and the wife is disrespecting the man. And this most certainly was the issue in Allie's case, in my case, and what we were doing to each other young in marriage. And when those things start to rise up, we just start to... We're here, but we're just not here. And we struggle. And it tells us, the common, the common sense will tell us that this is a common denominator. I'm feeling disrespected, and she's feeling dominated. Or she's feeling not, like I'm not in tune. And so when we see this, we start to say, okay, I've got to do something different. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a choice. It's a discipline by faith to make the first step. And when this happens, both spouses have needs. When, when they're left unmet and we don't, we don't apply God's word, both spouses have needs that go left unmet, and that's dangerous. This is when husband goes and starts burying himself in something else as an expression of intimacy. This is when a wife starts burying herself in other things as an expression of intimacy, providing her own security there. He's creating his own place of honor here. And they're drifting. They're together. But they're not together. And if husbands, when husbands come to his wife and he says to her, and take, take some notes right here. This is where you get ready for Valentine's. I'm going to give you both Valentine's card notes, okay? He says to her, I've not been Christ-like husband. This is free. I've not been a Christ-like husband. I haven't cherished you. I haven't nourished you. Whatever your needs, voice them. Give me some time to work on it. You won't have to nag me, but give me some time to work on your needs. And the decisions I make going forward are going to be made with your needs in mind. Trust me. I'm committing to you and to make to make sure that your needs are being met. And when a husband says that, you'll naturally begin to listen. You'll naturally begin to meet her needs through the decisions that you're making. You'll naturally begin to make sacrifices in order to make sure her needs are being met. You'll naturally start getting off work early so you can be there 
You'll naturally start saying no to this so that you can make it an opportunity here. You'll naturally start doing the very things. It's cutting, it's pruning away the vices, the distractions, the places we've been burying ourselves because we, we haven't felt safe and vulnerable and intimate over here. You'll naturally start to cherish. You'll naturally start to appreciate. You'll naturally start to nourish. You'll naturally start to sacrifice, make little sacrifices that begin to show, well, he's a safe place. And when my wife, when a wife says this, I'm sorry for the way I've disrespected you. Again, notes. I didn't understand the way my words and tones and my actions so deeply hurt you, and now I didn't know how that important that was to you. And I'm telling you, I am speaking for every man in this place. In his heart right now, he's wondering, I, I hope this really sets. I sat down with 15 men this past Thursday morning. And I, don't, I didn't see one of them that wants to be domineering. I didn't see one of them that wants to be dominated. I saw 15 men that want to be sacrificial in life. They want to know how to do it. But they want to know if it's going to be safe if they do. And I'm telling you, there's a prescription to get this out of each other. I'm sorry for the way I've disrespected. I didn't know how much it meant. I didn't know the words and the tone meant so much to you. And I'm sorry, and I repent, and I won't justify. There's not going to be a yeah but you. No, no, just, no justification. And whatever my friends do, whatever I was raised under, whatever I see on Netflix, whatever I see in the movies... Whatever I see them do, I, I promise I will no longer disrespect you intentionally. And when you do this, ladies, you will naturally begin to pick up on what he's been trying to say of the things that are very important to him. Your needs will begin to get met. Your security, your psychological security will begin to raise up because you're just honoring. You're just respecting You'll be able to have influence to change the world through this man because of the way you honor and respect him. You'll have the most confident and courageous and bold man in time as you foster this. And you're going to feel so secure. But when both of you will do this, say to each other, I realize that God put you in my life for a reason and I need you. And I need your wisdom. And I need your input. And I'm committed to being a godly spouse and putting you first in my decisions. You do that, you'll have a world-changing marriage. You do that, you'll have a replication of Christ in this church. You do that, you'll have a powerful family. You do that, you'll have some very healthy children, very secure children, very confident children very safe children, very bold children. And maybe you don't have children, children, but you'll have a powerful marriage. And people begin to look at you and look to you like, man, what are you doing? How are you doing that? And when you do this, you'll find the most vulnerable, intimate relationship, safest place. The walls can come down. No fortification anymore. You got the keys here. I'm giving you the keys. And you'll be able to reconnect with your spouse's heart in marriage. Is that good? Let me pray for you. Sorry I kept you long. But right now, I just want to ask, Holy Spirit, what do you say? 
What are you saying to the husbands and wives in this room? So, Father, we just thank you so much for your grace. Thank you so much for your mercies. Thank you that your mercies are new every day because, Lord, we need them. Thank you for working through our humanity, Lord. Thank you for giving us supernatural principles to just work beyond our own human understanding. Thank you for wisdom. Thank you for knowledge. Thank you for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to strengthen us to live out this life in our families, for our church, for our community. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen.